0: to all of us last year you invested in a player who face planted he, he bottomed out the value absolutely sucked so then maybe in the future you're like oh I'm never gonna draft this guy ever again he's dead to me well today hayden winks, Josh norris are here to try to possibly identify the values by the dip potentially of players who absolutely sucked in 2021 and maybe put some perspective on where they fit in the realm in the spectrum of 2022 summer drafts that you're doing right now on underdog fantasy
1: right hayden you're doing players i'm doing alt coins in uh, top shot moments where i'm buying the dip it's all the market is down except for the broncos receivers we'll get to them in a second
0: yes yes uh and again six names today maybe go we'll on sprinkle in a few more as we go along always the chat we appreciate you but let's dive right into the show hayden I don't know exactly what you're saying about these names. You don't know what I'm saying about these names. We keep it fresh. We keep each other on these toes, just like we do with you. All right, pick us off. Who do you want to put into, again, perspective on face planning in 2021 and where they might land in 2022?
1: So Saquon Barkley has burned people for a couple years now, and I think this is the year to get back onto Saquon Barkley. He's going 24th overall at the round 2-3 turn. I would move him ahead of Alvin Kamara. I would move him ahead of Aaron Jones. I would move him ahead of Tyreek Hill on underdog fantasy. And this is really, there's a couple of things. We'll get to the team dynamics in a second, but really this is just about health. And there's a couple of quotes that he had. He said, quote, I haven't really moved around like this since college. He said, I was way more confident. I was a way more confident player in college and early in my career than I was prior to last year, remember he was rehabbing and there was a couple delays in his rehab in the summer. It was never a straightforward training camp. Then he has that fluky high ankle, high ankle sprain in the middle of the season. But the, this was the quote that really stuck out to me. He says, I'll tell you, I feel a lot better than, uh, I did at this point than last year. Like you said, I was rehabbing. My body feels good. My body feels strong. I've got my strength back. I feel like I got my speed back. I feel like I can trust my knee again. I trust myself to make plays and not think about it. Then he said, I got my swagger back. I'm all in on Saquon Love Barkley just feeling good <laughs> and trusting the knee. I think that's one thing that everyone says, like the timeline of the ACLs, it's nine months. Uh, the Achilles, you can come back faster. The big part is it's you have to get onto the field, but there's also usually like another season that takes place where you're not fully at uh, 100%. Usually that second year back, from these major injuries is the time to buy. And that's what happens uh, with Saquon Barkley this year.
0: I'm with you again, prior to last season, when he was coming off that significant knee injury, he was being drafted as the running back eight. So 12th overall was often the pick at that turn. And now he's going as the running back 12, 24th overall. And I think you outlined the story and the timeline pretty well. I'll dive in a bit more. Again, they were going to split time and they told us they were going to do this with Devante Booker to open the season. So he opened with like, what, 11 touches, 15 touches. But then, boom, week three hit Hayden and we were back all in. 22 touches, 18 touches. And then that fluke high ankle sprain when he was running a route, turned his ankle, turned into a two tennis balls on both sides of it. And then he goes out there and what? Misses four games and just doesn't look the same yet was still getting some pretty damn good opportunities. 19 touches, 19 touches, close out the season with 21 and 14 touches. Um, I'm with you. When I went back and watched pre-injury, again, the timeline was really short off of that significant knee issue. I thought he looked explosive. I thought he was running between the tackles. He was, again, finding those big plays along the sideline. But then post ankle turn, um, he looked a lot like Devontae Booker. In fact, I remember going back and each week reviewing these games. Uh, it was tough to tell the two apart. I think the other part of this conversation, though, is it's a massive shift, not just for him, but for the New York Giants offense because Brian Dayball comes in. And I know, you know, a lot of people are going to point to the running back usage over the last few years with the Bills offense and Brian Dayball. What say you on that front?
1: Well, they didn't have a Saquon Barkley talent, they are exactly. drafted. Uh, James Cook to replace Devin Singletary. I'm not worried about that. He's moving all over the formation. I don't even really care about that. To me, Brian Dable's offense, they've been top 12 in neutral pace in the last three seasons. And I think that the other big thing you said, he was running between the tackles well last year. Well, since Saquon Barkley has been in the league, he's never had Andrew Thomas on the left side and Evan Neal as his right tackle. On paper, this could be one of the better tackle uh, offensive lines, and I think that Saquon barkley are going to use him in space. And this really is just about the offense playing with more pace. And I think that he's going to catch a lot more passes. He thinks he's going to catch a lot more passes. And I think that just the Giants' offense will be completely changed. Um, And really, it just comes down to the health for me. I can't get that out of my head. If he—if he says he's got a swagger back, I'm inclined to believe it. He is not old. We don't have to worry about the age things yet. And I, like you said, those ankle injuries. A lot of times, these players are just so proud and they can think they can fight through these injuries and they really rush back on the ankle injuries in particular cuz it feels like such a, like a whatever part of the body but really like you lose your explosiveness uh and then like in the halfway through the season remember he stepped on that uh defensive player's foot like walking oh, yeah. back to the huddle like i mean come on like the guy just couldn't catch a break last year and i think that caused people to completely erase him off the board so i think that he should be a middle of the second round pick And right now, you can sometimes get him in the third round. If he's sitting on the round two, three turn, I'm basically uh, picking him every single time right now. Yeah,
0: I absolutely love that. A couple more notes. This offseason, getting him more involved in the receiving game. As you mentioned, SNY's Ralph Fakiana reports that Saquon Barkley is, quote, lining up all over the formation in OTAs when the huddle breaks at Giants practice. There's no telling which direction Saquon Barkley would be headed anymore. That's the stuff that we love. Um, And if you think about Brian Dayball... One, while maybe Daniel Jones has some escapability, some athleticism to his game, he's no Josh Allen, especially inside of the 10 and inside of the 20. And Brian Dayball in his past, if you go back to his time in Alabama when they were rich with running backs, he focused the offense around the running back position. Then in Buffalo, you surround and put everything on Josh Allen's shoulders, and then you go from there. Um, this offense should be the same exact way with with Saquon Barkley this season. It's very different. And as you said, the tackle spots, Andrew Thomas turned a corner last year. You bring in Mark Lewinsky, you draft Evan Neal. You have some other piece that you can shuffle along the offensive line there. That is so important, so important to rushing success. And Hayden, they didn't bring back Devontae Booker as of this time. And Matt Breida is their second running back on the roster at this point. To me, all the chips are shoved into the corner of Saquon Barkley on the table and 24th overall at that spot. Ooh, absolutely love that. When he's going around, maybe some of the the other running backs we're going to talk about here in a moment.
1: Should we talk about the Week 17 correlation? Is there any teammates that you're eyeing on the Giants here? (laughs) Well,
0: after such a great career in Detroit, we know that Dave Gettleman paid Kenny Galladay very, very handsomely. And uh, what he gave him last year in his first year in New York, not that great. 14 games, 76 targets, 37 receptions, 521 yards and a big fat zero touchdowns. Okay. Rewind. He closed last draft cycle as the 80th overall player. And it, part of that was there were concerns Hayden, like he fit in the bucket of wide receivers that switch teams in free agency. And we know that bucket doesn't, elicit a lot of excitement. There's been a lot of failures in there because their best season was kind of their last season. Well, actually, his last season in Detroit, he, what, played five games, got hurt, then kind of just walked into free agency and set out the rest of the season. Um, so now he has dropped from, again, wide receiver 37 to close 2021 drafts to now wide receiver 57 in 2022 drafts. You can do right now in Underdog Fantasy 120th overall. He'll be 29 years old this year. Um, the biggest difference to me, and when I saw his game last year with the Giants, and we just talked about how miserable it was from the play callers, Jason Garrett, Freddie Kitchens, to the offensive lines, to the quarterback play, to where he was in Detroit, Hayden, is the differences in targets. I mean, 50% of his targets last year were from 10 to 19 yards. That's great. I mean, he's definitely an intermediate to downfield wide receiver, But the deeper portions just weren't there last year. Just 19% of his targets traveled 20-plus yards last season. Compare that to his great year. I believe it was 2019 in Detroit. 33% deep, 33% in the middle, 33% short. So getting those opportunities where he can go up and win in one-on-one situations, win in contested situations, I guarantee you Brian Dable is going to try to script that up a little bit more. And with the protection that Daniel Jones should have in comparison to previous years, maybe that is more in the realm of possibility and outcomes here for Kenny Galladay in 2022.
1: More time because the offensive line's better, better play calling just in general. They won't be punting it, they won't be taking those knees. Remember the knees on uh, before punting yes. it? That was, I mean, a complete disaster last year. And so I think all that's actually going to open up for more touchdowns. He is a better and best ball candidate. Last year, he scored 3.5 fewer touchdowns than expected, according to my model. That was the fourth biggest. Now he's the fourth biggest regression candidate among any wide receiver. And I think the other big part of this is I like where he's going in the drafts, because if you're looking to stack them with Daniel Jones later on, which I think that we're kind of buying this offense at cost. The other thing is just the wide receiver fifties right now. And here are the names rough. that he's going Christian Watson, Michael Gallup, Rondell Moore, Jameson Williams, Tim Patrick, Jarvis Landry, McColl Hardman, Jameson Crowder. Like to me, those are, that is a rough, rough, rough group of wide receivers. And we just made a video about Kadarius Tony. We think that Kadarius Tony can absolute smash this season. I think that if Kadarius is fully healthy, he's going to lead this team in targets by a wide margin. But the way that Kenny Galladay wins, and especially in the red zone, he's not going to be coming off the field. He is a two wide receiver set starter. I think that you can say... You're drafting him as a wide receiver five right now, and he can probably give you like wide receiver four spiked weeks. Yeah. Um, and you can just make it a very easy bet on the Giants at any part of the draft.
0: Not saying it's a free square because nothing's a free square around, you know, pick 120 that we're talking about, but the range of outcomes is there for Kenny Galladay to be the best wide receiver on the Giants this year. If that means Kadarius Tuny is on the field or not, like that is within the range of outcomes. And so many of his routes last year, were inside breaking routes. You know, you had skinny posts, you had slants, you had deep ends, you had dig patterns, and that required a lot of anticipation from the quarterback because at the end of the day, Kenny Galladay is not a separator among a bunch of these wide receivers. He's someone who's kind of going to post up. And then when he creates that sliver on his own, boom, the ball needs to be there and he can make up for some of the inaccuracies uh, with, with the quarterback he, he is attached to. I would expect, Expect to see like a few more outside the numbers. And again, those 20, 30, 40 yard patterns instead of 14, 16 yard patterns. Um, that again should be a section in the playbook here. And yeah, just the names at wide receiver that you mentioned. Look, I, I like Tim Patrick. The other names, not really getting me going and i don't want to overrate the giants and what they could be because i actually think a lot of people are going to be doing that this off season. but you're the phrase you used at cost at cost this might be a quote-unquote stack that pays off for where all these pieces are going for sure and go and watch that Kadarius tony video if you haven't because Ooh. we just made the case for kenny galladay and we made one for Kadarius tony and i bet one of them hits this year
1: and I think this is also a, maybe a bet against Sterling Shepard. And I, both of yeah. us like Sterling Shepard's game, but he popped his Achilles a little bit older. And I think he popped it like basically around Christmas. I don't think he's going to be ready to start the season. I was reading some reports that Darius Slayton is, isn't is even like starting right now, like that he's running with the twos. It seems like that nothing that tight, tight end this year. So I do think it's going to be Wanda Robinson, who I think you and I think is okay, but in a yeah. very niche role. I think that's just going to be Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay seeing what they can get out of them, and then any third option in the passing game is probably Saquon Barkley. After that, I'm not expecting a whole lot. It's going to be Sterling Shepard versus Wandale Robinson in a mini slot role, and that's why I think that we go back to Saquon Barkley probably going to catch a lot of passes this year because the defense, by the way, also is probably going to be pretty bad. They have no secondary right now.
0: Yeah, and just to rewind where Saquon Barkley is going, I really like Nick Chubb. I'll talk about every single show and where he's being drafted right now at 26th overall. But again, that range, it's T. Higgins, A.J. Brown, Javante Williams. If we get the Saquon Barkley of old, again, range of outcomes, it's 100% there and the opportunity is 100% there. That's going to be a tremendous value Yep, where that totally is. agree. And one final time, the Wandale Robinson pick is not an indictment on Kadarius Toney. They almost certainly are going to play two very different positions on this team, but go check out that entire video. Okay, two names down, four to go. Who's up next?
1: This is just the Broncos wide receivers in general here, and they're going 38th overall, Cortland Sutton, and Jerry Judy is going 42nd overall. And this is a situation where I'm very conflicted because obviously they add Russell Wilson, but last year, I'm going to pull up their splits in a second, they were legitimately averaging like seven points per game, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. And if you look at just how uh, teammates uh, uh, draw targets, yards per route run, all of that stuff, it really matters who else are your teammates. And Cortland Sutton has never been a fantasy relevant player with Jerry Judy. And Jerry Judy, you can say the same thing. He hasn't been a fantasy relevant player with Cortland Sutton. I think part of the reason why that's the case, the quarterback play was... Awful. And obviously that is not a part of the equation at this point, but they use their tight end. They have two good running backs. Tim Patrick, I think we think is better than expected. And they have KJ Hamler, too. So to me, it's just I don't see how both of them could pay off this price tag. Maybe one gets hurt and the other pops off. Maybe Cortland Sutton's just so much better than uh, Jerry Judy. But look at just like last year, for example, Tyler Lockett was the 42nd overall player. DK Metcalf was the 49th overall player uh, with Russ playing about half the season. But they didn't have... Who was their third target in that offense? It was like Will Disley. You yeah. know, like we're adding more competition here and this would be paying our... Uh, they would have to pay off better than T- DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And the odds that Cortland Sutton is better than DK Metcalf are slim. And I would probably say the same thing about Jerry Judy and Tyler Lockett. So I don't know which one I'm fading and which one I'm buying, or if I'm the answer is neither, or if it's just in stacks. But there's a lot of things going on in this Broncos wide receiver and the price tags are only going up. Correct.
0: And they're only going up because of the week 17 correlation that they potentially have too. Um this isn't necessarily a conversation on the individual talents because I want to dive into that a much deeper level. But it is shocking where both of these names as you outlined could be considered face plants. From last season, Jerry Judy was the wide receiver, 25, 50th overall. Then Hayden, he puts out in an injury riddled season, 38 catches for 467 yards. Okay. Now he's going as the wide receiver, 20, 43rd overall. Cortland Sutton last year in drafts coming off that knee issue when he had that, you know, knee brace and kind of was hobbling throughout training camp, wide receiver 34. And now he's being drafted as the wide receiver, 18. So this is like Russell Wilson's the big deodorant. And maybe he is, you know, but it's a new play caller coming, obviously, from the Green Bay Packers system. But in the, the day, Russell Wilson can't run every single offense. You know, Russell Wilson's going to run a very similar offense, in my opinion, to the passing oriented one that he had during that time with Seattle. Lots of moonshots, lots of deep balls. Middle of the field is still very, very skeptical. And the quick game is not his favorite. I don't know how both of these along with Tim Patrick along with Albert O can all pay off. I think one does, but sitting here on what June 14th, can't tell you which one it is. Can't do it. Yeah. And that, that's, that is terrifying to me when we're talking about the wide receiver 20 and wide
1: receiver 18 right now. The Broncos reporters and analysts, they are all basically around the consensus that Cortland Sutton is the true one here. And Could if be. you look back at Jerry Judy last year, there were some times where he wasn't playing in two wide receiver sets that he was getting a little bit more pigeonholed as a slot only receiver. So I think I would go Cortland Sutton. Apparently he's at full health. I think I want to bring back the one point that you said about why their ADPs have climbed so much. And basically it's they're getting to the point in best ball right now where the Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes teams are being drafted 10th, 11th, 12th out of those spots. And to correlate them, you're getting Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton onto that side. So that's why they've climbed up so much. But meanwhile, uh, like just like from last middle of last month, uh, Corlin Sutton's moved up 14 spots. Jerry Judy's moved up eight spots. Tim Patrick's moved up 12 spots. KJ Handler's also up 11 spots. Russell Wilson's ADP has dropped, so you can't just tell me that, that we think the offense is better. And meanwhile, uh, DK Metcalf, who is going in this right in the same range, he's dropped six spots. Deontay Johnson has dropped five spots because they don't have quarterbacks that, that they're being stacked with right now. So I think we're at the point where uh, week 17 and stacking in general in, in in Best Ball is starting to just a little bit affect ADPs. And we're gonna have to start thinking through this. What ADPs are relevant to us as like a baseline projection versus which ones are based off of correlation. And I think that right now, Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy's ADP has climbed maybe even just one round, but that one round really matters at the beginning parts of the draft. And third round Cortland Sutton is not something I would have expected, um, but we are getting close to that. Uh, I think that that could happen the next month.
0: Now, to be fair, I do think right before he went down with that significant knee injury, Cortland Sutton maybe was on the cusp of like stardom at wide receiver. Like he was on a really, really upward trajectory. Um, I've seen that now he is practicing, playing without that knee brace. And hopefully it does hit because those vertical shots can really, really, really pay off. And I also want to reiterate that I said a pass oriented offense in Seattle. I met when they were allowing Russ to cook. In those moments when he played hero ball and actually from watching 34 years old, a little less hero ball is successful in that style than it was when he was 26 years old. Let's put it that way. Uh, I'm just a little like I've I've seen Cortland Sutton get there, you know, in terms of being an alpha wide receiver. I've yet to see that from Jerry Judy to be perfectly honest with you, creates great separation. Maybe he's the one that they use a little bit with those screens that Devonte Adams did. But again, we don't know exactly what this offense is. And Russ and, and
1: Aaron Rodgers are very different types, like drastically oh, different. different types. Opposite ends, complete opposite and ends.
0: So if you tailor your offense to one player, it's the quarterback. And again, I I bet it's a lot of the similarities we got from the passing elements of the Seattle system. And we're probably not going to really see how it works until week one. You know, it's going to be kind of unanswerable questions here other than the pecking order. And if we we truly might get those two wide receiver sets of Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick. And so maybe if you want to tail tail onto this, Tim Patrick is the one who's at a value of that.
1: But what makes it so frustrating is I think you and I both like Cortland Sutton. We both like Jerry Judy, we think. If this was in the sixth round, you and I would be like bounce back season, full smash Cortland Sutton. But like right now, the price is just we don't we don't hate the player. We hate the ADP. And I think I would I hope that Jerry, Judy and Cortland Sutton go at least one round later and then I can start getting interested again.
0: And when you always want to keep week 17 correlation in mind when it's referenced to ADP, what about when that ADP shifts? as you mentioned because so many people are thinking of week 17 correlation so maybe the ADP isn't as accurate as it was previously just a thought okay so we go in the AFC West you talked about the Denver Broncos let me talk about another running back after Saquon Barkley's conversation over to Clyde edwards Elaire he closed last season as the 25th overall player the first pick of the third round now sixth round pick 76th overall um we were referenced, we were reminded that he had gallbladder surgery. I actually went back and researched this, Hayden. This was public information last August. Uh, there were Kansas City Star articles on the gallbladder surgery, but what we didn't know, which CEH has since told us, that he got down to 160 pounds prior to last year's OTAs. Uh, the Chiefs, despite you know teams really wanting them to run on them, They didn't do that great of a job. 16th in rushing yards, 7th in yards per carry. As a team, they only had nine carries of 20-plus yards. Um, And and seven defenders in the box. CEH only had 8.4% of the time. He saw that front only 8.4% of the time. That was easily the lowest. No one else under 10%. And I think when you and I go back and watch CEH, Hayden, we can classify him as a between the tackles runner. Like he's a follow your blocks kind of guy. He's not an out in space, get to the edge, get to the corner, create big plays along the sideline, juke you out of your shoes. But to me, here's the biggest concern with what comes to CEH right now. Again, going as a 76 overall player, sixth round. In his first start in the league against the Houston Texans, CEH got six carries inside the 10 yard line. That was September 10th of 2020. Since then, 22 games, only 16 other carries inside the 10-yard line. We know that so many touchdowns, look at James Conner, for example, so much of your fantasy value can come from opportunities inside of the 10, and he's just not believable in that area. He's not trustworthy in that area. In fact, Darrell Williams got 20 of those same carries inside the 10 last year. We know that he's gone, but guess who was brought in? Ronald Jones, in that same exact span of time, 22 games, he's seen 30 touches, 30 carries inside the 10-yard line. Hey, I'm going to pitch this to you and then let you talk. What if what if this is C.E.H. and Ronald Jones to Chase Edmonds and James Conner last year, and we get the inside of the 20-yard player be Ronald Jones for this Kansas City Chiefs offense because they do not trust. They do not trust Clyde edwards E'Laire. and that's my biggest concern no matter where you draft C.E.H. is touchdowns.
1: Yeah, I I can believe it. When they signed Ronald Jones, Andy Reid said, quote, he's going to be a major part of the offense. Obviously, he would be projecting um, for the early down work only because they also bring in Jarek McKinnon this week. And I looked back at last year's playoff run. C.E.H. had a shoulder injury. He was out the first game. In that game, Jarek McKinnon played 78% of the snaps. The next game, C.E.H. is back. He practices fully on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, Despite that, he's on the bench. Jarek McKinnon starts, plays 70% of the snaps. Then you're like, all right, the next week, they're playing the Bengals in the conference championship. CH practices in full. Again, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, he's benched. Jarek McKinnon's out there for 78% of the snap. So I'm concerned here. I still do think that in some range of outcomes, CH is a top 10 running back. That is still possible. But with Jarek McKinnon in the mix, his ADP is gonna plummet. So I would not be drafting him right now. I think he's gonna get down to like the hundredth overall range. And now Ooh. we're gonna to start to mix in some CH at that point. But I'm concerned because not just the passing down work is Jared McKinnon. Like you said, the goal line work can go to Ronald Jones and he can just be somewhere in the middle Touchdowns, and we're just kind of caught, caught there. So I, I will be I think I will be buying later on, but this ADP has to get corrected now.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's going what? It's running back twenty six. It's almost the end of that tier group. Maybe I don't know. Miles Sanders is that to you? Then you get into some of the rookies like Kenneth Walker, and then some running back insurance after that. So where does like the boost and value come in? Like where can he hit? You know, is it all in the screens and the receptions game? Like Ch is only at fifty five receptions over the last two seasons. Again, you can kind of get rid of some of last year because of the injuries and everything that happened. But I thought, I remember making this pitch to you? That that rookie season when there were some really nice glimmers, he had 54 targets, 36 receptions, and 297 yards. I thought maybe that could get up to 75 targets and 50 receptions. Maybe like I also think we also need to factor into what this Chiefs offense is going to change and how it's going to look. Yeah, no Tyreek Ty-
1: was like this screen guy, so maybe I- it goes to CH. Exactly.
0: And you know, Mahomes attempted the second most screens in the league last year behind Tom Brady. That's something to keep in mind. But Nate Tice has talked about this on the athletic football show that, and you might laugh when I say this Juju MVS, great run blockers for the wide receiver position, Travis Kelsey, not so much for the position that he plays, but what if you have those all pieces rotating? And again, the passing game is built around Travis Kelsey and you get a little bit more touchdown to check down with, with Patrick Mahomes and that check down being Clyde edwards But that's like a projection. Like touchdowns, touchdowns are important. And I just don't know how many opportunities Clyde Edwards-Delaire is going to get with that.
1: The last part, and Tony from the chat makes a good point here rojo's making two million exactly the same amount as the best ball mania one winner and i'm guessing jarek mckinnon signing in the middle of june is making less so if you're going by my theory that you can't draft these guys then i still have to be on ch somewhat but either way the, the adp is going to drop on ch and then we can have the discussion has it dropped too far just uh, enough all that stuff but it sounds like you just want to say that Ron, you'd rather have ronald jones and CH. no no no, Are you no, no. close I, to that or not i
0: I don't know if I want any, either of them. Cause I, I mean, I've never been a Ronald Jones guy. It's pretty clear. Like he is a, he's a tell when he's out there, you know, CH isn't a tell, but then he also, again, might not be trusted inside the 10 for Just those draft
1: MVS at 100th overall, Exactly.
0: Exactly. And like teams were giving the chiefs room to run last year and they've heavily invested in offensive line over the last two off seasons. That should work. So maybe, and I would bet that Clyde Verlaire is the leading rusher on this team. And his style of running is so different than maybe the perception of him because of his build. He's like a power rusher. He's a bowling ball in between tackles, but he doesn't really break that many tackles. I I don't know. I don't know what to do. And it sucks because I I want a piece of this, but where we're sitting right now, I will never ever get over the possibilities of, oh yeah, he might rush for 60 yards, but then Rojo gets the ball
1: within three. If this advice has helped you out, Please subscribe, like, comment below. That's the, the crystal I'm just clear trying to analysis. Put in perspective. Do you think I have I'm no idea to, anything? No, I have no idea what to do yet. I know. It's, it's tough. Let's move it's on. It's real tough.
0: Let's move on. Okay, we got two more. Hit us
1: with your last one. I am very confident in this. Tyler Boyd is going too late. It's as simple as that. He's currently going 110th overall. I would rather have him than Sky Moore straight up. I'd rather have him over Robert Woods, over Garrett Wilson. And the biggest reason why is last year, we've ended up bullying the Bengals into being a super high neutral pass rate team. True. <laughs> and the earlier parts of the season, they were running the ball too much. And Tyler Boyd was being kind of uh, phased out of the offense. He wasn't getting enough volume. This year, with Joe Burrow's offense aligned better, after they just made this damn Super Bowl, ever heard of it, uh, I think that they're going to pass the ball more. And even if they didn't, I think Tyler Boyd would pay off this ADP just straight up. Uh, he was 119th overall in better and better in best ball points last year. Remember, and this is the big part of this is last year, T Higgins and Jamar chase went off and were healthy the entire season. And Tyler Boyd still would pay off this ADP. What happens when either one of those two wide receivers miss some time, His yards per route run, all of those efficiency metrics are super uh, based off of your target competition. If you have this, the neutral pass rates of the Bengals and you have either one of those top wide receivers miss time, Tyler Boyd would be like a fifth round pick. So you're yeah. getting him in like the 10th round, ninth round right now. And he's super affordable. I think he would pay off that price tag anyways. They play the the bills in week 17, if that matters to you. But I just think that he's a good player. His role safe. He'd pay this ADP off. And we have the, the on-off splits that could be absolutely ridiculous with Tyler Boyd.
0: It is pretty amazing. That he's going one to an overall wide receiver 52, where after a 94 target, 67 reception, 828 yard season with five touchdowns, um, where he was going last year at this time. There was so much ambiguity in that wide receiver group. Remember, Jamar Chase T. Higgins kept getting flip-flopped a little bit. And Tyler Boyd was just sitting there as wide receiver 32 and 70th overall. That was a bit ambitious for like his archetype as a player, if all three stayed healthy. Because the other guys were such big plays, and Joe Burrow's a big play hunter, and as you said, they all stayed healthy. You have multiple outcomes to hit in what you're alluding to, and the point that you opened with of how they changed their offense from start to finish, if we get that this year and not it just being against teams that played cover one or cover three, right? Uh, the Raiders, the Raven, like just torching these teams, right? And then that's really what spurred it along with Joe Burrow showing his health and maneuverability against the Blitz and free rushers, so on and so forth. A start to finish season for Tyler Boyd, maybe it gets him back to the 110, 120 targets, even without talking uh, injuries to any of the other peers that he has on that team. I'm I'm with you with with Tyler Boyd as, as being a really, really good value right now in sixth round.
1: Yep. We're talking about Josh Palmer and some of these other wide receiver threes on offenses that are pretty good. And we like them. We like we don't know if Josh Palmer's good. We know that Tyler Boyd could play. So yeah, he's he's an auto pick down that way.
0: Yeah. Sorry. Not six round one ten overall. That's around after rookies Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, who both might truly be the third pass catching options on their team. Uh, Chase Claypool, Robert Woods. He's one spot ahead of Christian Watson right now. We've already had that conversation. Michael Gallup, Rondale Moore. I'll buy into the really good quarterback and the really good passing offense there for sure. Okay. I'll close it out with a uh, a man who has like been totally forgotten. Who? Just a couple years ago in 2019 was the overall wide receiver one. Michael Thomas at a position Hayden that has so much stability year over year. So again, the wide receiver one, drafted as the wide receiver one, now the wide receiver 34. 70th overall Michael Thomas is going. So let's tell a little story. He rolls the ankle on that final play in week one in 2020. He misses six games. He comes back, has three games in like a five or six period span of 80 plus yards. Then he missed all of 2021 with that foot and ankle issue. Let's just say that Michael Thomas and, and the team staff might not have been on the same page scheduling that surgery. I think that's fair. I would blame then, that on Michael Thomas, not the team staff for the record. And then he released his own statement on November 3rd that he had another setback and that he's going to miss the remainder of the year. He didn't play at all in 2021 in that span of time. In 2021, Jameis Winston averaged just 21 passing attempts and then opening four games. Then the final two full starts, he averaged 33. So what do you think we're getting with the saints offense now? Because I think that that answer directly correlates to where we should be feeling, how we should be thinking of Michael Thomas heading into this year with a consideration and a caveat that we think he's going to be out there in week one.
1: The offense doesn't even matter to me at this point. I'm just trying to figure out there if he's going to be playing. And I always go to Nick Underhill when it comes to the Saints stuff. And I've been reading his stuff. I'm a sub to his website it's been pretty vague, and I read vague, and I read, uh-oh, that's a little bit concerning. He's posted a couple of clips of him running in a straight line, one earlier in the soft season where he wasn't running that fast. Uh, who am I to say? The next one, he's running with more pace, uh, but we have yet to see him cut. And Dr. Winks has been listening to Doctor uh, the other doctors online, and there's the reason why his ankle injury was so significant was, it was the inside of the ankle, not the outside of the ankle. And that, that part of the ankle gets a little bit uh, stiffer over time. And he's not the youngest guy anymore, and he delayed the surgery and all that stuff. So there's some, uh, what the, the Twitter doctors and Dr. Winks are looking for is the cutting ability. And until I see that, I'm a little bit nervous here. It he doesn't seem like he's going to come back until training camp. So I think right now his ADP is just going to keep dropping in Best Ball Mania yeah. 3. So what's really the point of drafting him right now? Maybe on uh, August 1, before we get news either way, it's the time to go all in. But I would bet right now he's ADP, so probably going to drop 5, 10 spots from, from this po- the start of this podcast to um, the start of training camp.
0: So I think this is where it settles. Because right now, Michael Thomas is going just after Amon Ross St. Brown, before Devontae Smith, Adam Thielen, and DeAndre Hopkins, even though that one's a bit of a different conversation. I bet, and I'll try to pull it up here right now, I bet he settles in at 86th overall after Christian Kirk. Okay? That that little range makes sense to me. After the Traylon Burks, which he's probably going to drop to, and Brandon Nayuk, because then you get like the Sky Moores, the Tyler Lockett, the Alan Lazards of the world. I could see Michael Thomas fitting in there. And you mentioned some news items. Let me follow in a few more. Back in February, it it was announced that Michael Thomas would be back with the Saints, that he was reportedly in New York, even in February, Hayden getting weekly treatments on his foot. Then, also in February, restructured contract, getting paid a boatload of guaranteed money this year, a good amount next year as well. In May, quote, there's still a few hurdles that we have got to climb. With any of our guys that had injuries that they're trying to get back from, that's head coach Dennis Allen, when asked directly about Michael Thomas. And then today, the great Nick Underhill, Michael Thomas was watching practice wearing his own jersey on the sideline. There's zero positive buzz here. But with how the Saints have structured their offseason, this is not a rebuild. This is we are a win-now mode, going and getting Chris Olave, Jarvis Landry, Teron Matthew, continuing to invest in the offensive line in their brain. The only way for them to be as good as possible this year, it's with Michael Thomas on the field, you know, or else it's all kind of not for lost or for not, but they're going to be far worse. If he's sitting there on the sideline, that's for sure.
1: And who knows, we can get to training camp. He's full participant. Alvin Kamara gets suspended for six games. And then all of a sudden, Michael Thomas goes back up to the 50. So I think just right now, I think his ADP is going to drop. So why draft him right now? Draft him in like towards the middle, late part of July when his ADP drops and get your exposure there. Because I, I, I'm with you. If, if he's fully healthy, this offense really needs him. They're all in. And he's he's happy to be a part of the Saints. We could not say that last year. It seems like they have worked things out. Yeah. Uh, between him and his contract and whoever else would needed to be involved with that. And I, he's, he's out there and he's participating with the team, just not on the field yet. And so it's a question mark
0: bit of a galaxy brain thought too uh the team just brought in David Johnson. I missed that had to find it today. Uh, does that indicate anything with potential Alvin Kamara suspension? And if that's the case, could we see a little bit more? And I didn't even get your opinion on this. Like, where do you think, the, the Saints settle for for passing, you know, because, again, it was pretty drastic in the first four games, as I alluded to, 22 attempts versus 33 attempts in Jameis's last two starts, because now Comfort and the play caller, obviously, Sean Payton is gone, but they just elevate someone in that role. He has a better understanding of Jameis Winston, and so they might actually allow him to try things, test things, make a few mistakes, because we saw even in those games that he only attempted 22 passes. Uh, he still had one or two moments, each and every one For where sure, he yeah. lost his head, chicken with his head cut off and made some dumb decisions.
1: They'll probably be like 20th in pass attempts or something like that. I think it's going to depend on Alvin Kamara. They tried, I forget who it was, might have been like uh, Sony Michelle or somebody. They tried to si- sign one of these other backs like a month ago and were not able to do it. And then it seems like they're going to be able to come to terms with David Johnson, who's out there on the tryout. Um, I'm prepping for a suspension. It's not a lock though for Alvin Kamara, and I think that's going to be a huge part of our evaluation of the Saints.
0: Yeah, and quickly, I mentioned that back in 2019, Al, uh, excuse me, Michael Thomas was the wide receiver one overall, wide receiver two, and wide receiver three that year in fantasy points per game. Mike Evans and Chris Godwin attached to. Multiple, let's just put it that way, interception, Jameis Winston. Those I think the they embrace years. him. I think they embrace him a little bit more this year rather than restrain him a little bit, if that makes sense. Just yep. live live with
1: the roller just coaster. Just go for it. You're all in, just go for it. Live with
0: the roller coaster. Okay, I think that does it. I mean, we could have thrown in names like Robbie Anderson, like Terrace Marshall. These are like some real face planners, but we kind of wanted to focus on the... T- top portion of the drafts because there's a lot of names like that in the deeper portions Nico Collins is an example I wouldn't quite give up on a name like that because we know that the text the Texans were a disaster last year and it seems a bit more stable and I'm really excited actually what Pep Hamilton can do with uh with that offense
1: give me give me Robbie Anderson the retirement thing the galaxy brain about the retirement uh tweet from Robbie Anderson this happened right before the Baker Mayfield reports that they might be linked again. Remember Robbie Anderson was the one that was saying that I'll we can't great. have Baker. Maybe he was like if you sign Baker I'm retiring and then his agent was like dude shut up and go out there and play cuz you're under contract and they gave him he's getting paid pretty well this year. So so draft Robbie Anderson he's the perfect person for uh, a Bucks uh week 17 bring back if if you allow it.
0: And Raheem Mostert was another one we could have potentially done at running back 57 obviously at a different team. I'm not going to say it on this show. I'll say it for another one. A little more in on Chase Edmonds than you are, but we'll we'll save that one. (laughs) We'll save that one. All right. Doom, Ridley, Sir, Joe, Tony, all of you appreciate you being here. Thanks to everyone. If it's the first show you've ever had one, go play on Underdog Fantasy right now. Don't wait until September or August to do your drafts. Use promo code the show. If you put in 10 bucks, we'll give you 10 bucks. Up to $100 in your first deposit. Hayden matches it out of his wallet. Again, when you're waiting for the car wash, when you're in the dentist's office, go and do a draft right now. You'll enjoy it. Once you do one, you'll want to do more. And like and subscribe on the channel. Okay, for Hayden, I'm Josh. We'll be back here Thursday, 3 o'clock Eastern, up the villa. Talk to y'all soon.